Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham SC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be looking ahead to our trip to the South Coast. The Mitrovic reunion party is finally here. Our king is going to return at St. Mary's on Saturday. Fulham could be the team to put the final nail in the coffin that is Southampton. Anything but a win for the Saints and they will be down. Fulham still chasing that record points total, still chasing records all over the shop, really. 3,200 of us heading down to Southampton on Saturday. It looks to be sunny as well. Hopefully, it'll be a nice day. Also in this episode, we'll do the final word on Monday's victory over Leicester. And in the final part, there is a live recording of This Will Catch On live from the Half Moon Putney. On the live show we did on Monday, we recorded a special This Will Catch On, and that is coming up at the end of this podcast. And I am joined today by Jack Collins. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm good. All is well. It's good to be back. Uh, I, I know you said your king, you know, our king is, is back on, uh, on Saturday. Mine arrived on, on Monday when Shane Duffy got on the pitch. So <laughs> the Shane Duffy love um, continues. continues. We yeah. go on. We go on. <laughs> Will he make another appearance on Saturday? Probably not, but you never know. Um, Jack, let's um, have a bit more of a recap on on Monday. We have a bit of a rule with the podcast is that we always try and wait till the day after to record the pod. Obviously, with a live show being a live show, it's always on the day of the event. And I think the reason why we wait a day is often, I feel like I often need 24 hours to think about it, stew on it, sleep on it. And then normally I think we all tend to have slightly more reasonable analysis. So I guess this is an opportunity because we didn't have it after the Leicester game, just to give some kind of final thoughts on what was a crazy game. Because the more I slept on it, the more that I've actually been thoroughly impressed, but also understood maybe the reasons why Leicester got back into it. I think it was just Marco going gung-ho and I think we were looking for six and seven and actually that just left us a bit open and against a team like Leicester as bad as they are they will expose your openness if you allow it yeah I mean the game just descended into farce I I think that is genuinely the truth of it at the time we scored the fourth it it felt like Fulham were completely and utterly rampant Mm. like to a point where again you were worried and you started being like wow where does goal difference come into play in this relegation scrap because this could be as you say six seven eight it, it, it was that comfortable i think in that there was always this underlying current that fulham were trying to give leicester the odd goal not obviously on purpose but in terms of the way that the first half panned out we went in three nil up fardy missed uh, a header at the back of the post where he should have scored and then had a, a go at the ref and said it was, a, it was a corner because he said, if I'd got to that, I would have scored. <laughs> uh, but I think he's just missed. There's a couple of one-on-ones where Leno saves one from Vardy after the ball is given away in, by the defence in, in, in a sort of dreadful area. And there's a couple of sort of runs through the middle, I think it's Bubakar Samare, who just marauds through the entire Fulham team at one point to lay one up for Madison. And... I think at those kind of points, you know, Madison also hits that free kick that probably should have been given to Tielemont. You know, he hits it into yeah. the wall. 
there's this kind of element around all of it that you're looking at it and going, it was three nil, but it wasn't comfortable. Like yeah. I, I don't know how I don't know how obvious and how much of a three nil can not be comfortable. But if Leicester had had anything about them in terms of finishing chops, it could have been three all at half time. And so the game was always kind of open. And by the point that Fulham scored the fourth, it almost got to a point where we we're like, well, this is silly. They can't score. We, we, we They can't score. Yeah. And and then they missed the penalty. And you're like, oh, God. Like, they really, you know, I know they, they pulled one back by that point and, and Harvey Barnes had scored a, a good goal. But and then Willian goes up the other end and sort of just was like, oh, by the way, if we want to turn the tap on. And I think that was my overall kind of arching feeling on all of it. Fulham felt like we could turn the tap on. Whenever yeah. we wanted. And I think that's what happened with the Kearney goal, the third goal, in that we went up the other end. It was 2 0. A lot of people had gone out for half time points. You know, it, it was that kind of moment in the game. And we went down there and, and it just took like two or three decent pieces of play for the ball to be worked to Kenny in the box. And then, you know, that, that shuffle onto his right foot is majestic. I also don't think they're expecting that. I don't think they can be expecting that because it's TC on his right foot. And then it's a wonderful finish. But it did just feel like Fulham were able to turn it on when we wanted. And I think the more that it started to go our way, and obviously at 4-1, and then they missed a penalty, and it's like, ah, oh, this is just... There is no way we're going to lose this game. I, I think you're right in that... We're just like, well, let's just see what happens, shall we? And and at that point, the game's structure completely and utterly just vanished. And yeah. it became, we talked about it a little bit on on Monday, but it became that kind of, every time Everson got the ball, he just launched it upfield. And normally if someone's doing that, I'm like, well, they've just run out of ideas. But I actually thought it was a pretty sensible move mm-hmm. in terms of they'd left four up at any given point. And look, it could have ended with 12 goals. I, I don't think anyone would be surprised if that game had, had ended like that. And and ultimately, you, you can't expect much more than that. I, I think, obviously, Monday was a bit of a silly game for Premier League football, for silly day for Premier League football, full stop, right? Coronation yeah. Monday is going to go down with Boxing Day 1961, 21 goals in three games. <laughs> like, what? So, with all of that in mind, I can understand, I think, how it just sort of descended into the chaos that it did. Um, yeah, and I think we can look back at it with a lot of fondness. I think I'll always remember Monday as just a really, really fun, special day. And we were talking, Jack, just before we started about um, the silliest Fulham games. And you mentioned it in the live show that it was just a really silly game of football. And uh, a couple of people have got in touch with you since the pod to, to suggest other silly Fulham games. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name this as Unserious Fulham, um, <laughs> which is probably, I think, the fair way of doing it. And we got a couple. Hin said 5-3 away to, uh, Forest to get Felix sacked. You could yes. say 2-0 to 2-3 to 5-3 made it a thriller, but that was a gaffer picking a team by throwing darts, um, which I thought was was excellent. And then Timbo. Did Ross McCormack Tim- score a hat-trick? He might well have done. He might so he definitely it. scored two. He definitely I got remember. two, yeah. I think it was two and an own goal. Could be, could be, could be wrong. Um, Timbo at Timmy in Transit said, been stewing over the most unserious filler matches. And though this is up there, I don't know if it tops the April 2015 game against Borough. We were terrible. Knocked them out of automatic promotion. Scored two penalties and almost lost. Had McCormack not won it at the death. But via versus 10 men with an empty net hat trick. Um <laughs> which I thought was good. There was a couple of others that, that, that sprang to mind. Uh, Farrell mentioned the 5-3 against Sheffield Wednesday on the last day of the championship in 2020. 
yeah uh, which, which turned into more nerves than i think we were kind of hoping for with the 89th minute goal and the 78th minute goal very similar bits and then bobby obviously finished things off and if i'm mistaken harrison reed then got sent off like really mad stuff in that one. And and the other one that springs to mind is the final day trip to Hillsborough. So Wednesday I've been involved in two in the, in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. We won two, one and no one would, I, and, and I couldn't tell you how any of those goals were scored. I was there that day. We were both there. We were there together. Yeah. We were, we were both there. It felt like a, it was going to be a big shootout for the playoffs. And then it turns out we were just already both qualified. So it just became a bit of a party. And everyone on the pitch thought it was a party as well. But they went 1-0 up. Sam Winnell scored, remember him? He scored loads of goals in the championship at one point. God. Uh, Nice Cabano scored for us. And then, like, randomly, one of their players didn't, like, didn't get the memo. Marco Matias was sent off. He didn't get the memo that everyone was just like, don't worry about man. We're just kind of kicking a ball about having quite a good time. And he took like, he took a Luca out with one of like the worst challenges you'll see all year. And everyone was like, will you do it? Even his own players would be like, mate, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you just got yourself suspended for the flipping playoff semi-final. Like, you're an idiot. Like, what, on earth, what earth do you think you're doing? And then I, I think we, I think we won it late on. Um, so yeah, it was my my one. If we're talking unserious matches again in Sheffield, the four five, Ryan Sessegnon scoring a hat trick, Leon Clark scored a hat trick as well for Sheffield United. We that, were that was just a high, I don't know. I I think that was a thriller. I don't think that was unserious because I it wasn't like a game that was like not. It meant quite a lot, and everyone was pretty up for it, and we were actually really good that day. We yeah, couldn't we defend. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that unserious in that like Fulham weren't just taking the piss. And I think against Leicester at points, Fulham were legitimately taking the piss. And, <laughs> Fair. and so that's kind of where I've got to on these games where people are just like, that, that can't have really happened. They're my, they're <laughs> my suggestions yeah. um, for these games because it's just like, I, I don't know what. I, it, it, games where you're like, I don't know what's going on here. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought after watching the replay several times um, since Monday, goals two and three really showed that Fulham know how to work a transition and both come from Jao Polina winning a tackle in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second goal, Jao Polina wins it quite deep, gets it to Harry Wilson, who then kind of does the rest. Um, a lot of people are making out that maybe Carlos Vinicius's finish against uh, Everson wasn't that great. I actually look at the Leicester defending because Siunchu literally runs back to play Vinicius onside. It's the um, movement though, the movement to drop back and then drop again and then go again between the two defenders. I, I do agree that the defence is, is a little bit ridiculous, but I do think his yeah. movement is exceptional. I think it's a good finish. No, I think sure I don't, I've got no, I've got no complaint. I don't think you put it in the back of the net. I don't think it matters how it gets there. No, um, but obviously you want you, you you want some confidence that if the same thing happens again, that your striker is going to do it again the next the next time he gets that opportunity. But I, I have no issues with that finish. It's yeah, low, no, it's no, hard. No, the keeper has to stand up to him because he's coming through on goal unless he's getting you know otherwise he'll go around him. So I think going low and underneath him is is not not one of the smartest. It, it is not one of any sort of issue. Um, but I just wanted to kind of talk about um, like that role of Jao Polina winning the ball back and Fulham hitting sides on transition because I think we've scored a lot of goals from that this year. Some mm. of them have been Jao Polina himself. And I think sometimes, Jack, um, 
Transition's one of those sexy words in football these days that people seem to mention more and more, a bit like maybe four or five years ago, everyone used to lose their mind about expected goals. But actually, I look out for transition play more and more, and you realise that it's absolutely vital these days, both in defending when you've just lost the ball, but also attacking when you've just won the ball is actually such an important part of football when you when you notice it. And Fulham actually are pretty good in both respects. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd agree. I, I think that Monday wasn't a particularly great concept of us defending in transition because we didn't do very much of it because the game was so open. It was like a bit like a Bundesliga game in, in many ways. And, and you see this at... Um, it, it, anyone who watched the Bundesliga regularly would, you know, start to tell you that the game's just so, so open that they happen in transition. And it's one of the things that it is part of the reason that players signed from the Bundesliga don't always work out in the Premier League because it's not quite as high octane in terms of the way that possession changes hands. There's not so much of a basketball feel to it. So when you when you kind of look at that in the Premier League, it, it's not quite as it's not quite uh, as pronounced. But I do think it's really really important, and I also think it's, it's especially important for teams who aren't going to dominate the ball. And whilst Fulham are fine in possession and, and can dominate against sides inferior to us, I think some of the things that we've learned this season is is kind of how to improve against teams, not just above us, but also around us. And in those games that are more even, being able to to kind of switch this up. Brentford are really good at this, really good at uh, playing in transition. And uh, it, it's one of the things that annoys me when people talk about them as like, oh, they're a really nice footballing team. They're not. They're not. They play long ball football a lot. They, they they try to get the ball from one end to the other in, in as short a time as possible. And Sam Allardyce was talking about this, you know, in a recent interview. And I think it was a Dermot O'Leary, which I'm not completely convinced by, but here we are. Um, okay. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, playing out from the back has become au fait for playing nice football. And look, I mean, you know, from from the way I, I speak about football, etc., that I, I love those kind of Cruyffian you know, designs on, on how the game should be played or how the game is played in its perfect form. But Sam Allardyce made a point. He was like, you can't all play like that. Not every team can play like that. They, they have to be able to mix things up. And he was like, and a crowd are going to get as excited for a goal that plays through the last, you know, every player that's, you know, in the on the pitch 20 times and fi- finishes with a striker tapping it in, as they are from a keeper going long, it being flicked on by a striker, a winger running in behind uh, and them scoring. The crowd are going to be equally as excited because a goal is a goal. Yeah. And he has, he raises a really good point. Um, I'm, I'm not suggesting that he is perhaps the manager that he was claiming to be. Um, but I, I do think that the experience and, and the differing styles of football and the fact that it does go round in a roundabout, you know, we talked about this before, but Pep Guardiola's new formation is a variation on Herbert Chapman's WM. It's not, it's not doing something completely new. It's re re kind of vitalizing something from the 1930s and that that formation. So all things are cyclical. And at the moment, the Premier League is in this space where City and Arsenal are so dominant this season. It has been City and Liverpool for such a long time, United and et cetera, et cetera, on that kind of secondary pedestal trying to catch up. And the teams that have really struggled, I think, a lot of the time, and you go back to Fulham a couple of years back, Norwich a couple of years back, are the teams that have tried to outplay them at their own games with inferior footballers and yeah. really struggled to do so. And actually the teams that have succeeded are the ones who have learned, you know, almost like a clock pressing model or something, you know, or, and I think the transitions are a massive part of that, the way that Klopp brought football, you know, to, to kind of 
Pep Guardiola's door and went, right, we can play you a different type of game. And I think that that kind of pressing issue became a, a real thing. But then also generally when you look more at it and you look kind of more of us through a Fulham lens, I don't think we were particularly good in transition at all under Scott Parker because we wanted to, when we got the ball, to calm it down, slow it down and try and not concede. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that in principle, but in practice it didn't work and there was no you know, ability to change it around. Under Silver, that ability to, to play in transition, to make sure that things are quick and sharp in terms of getting into when we get the ball and we win the ball high up you know that's you know that's not miles off a Guardiola thing either you know he's like when the opposition had the ball you want it back within six seconds I I think there's an element of that and then it's like if you don't win it back in six seconds you drop off and that's I think what's happened with with Fulham and transition this season and I think it's a really important point in in learning how to go forward people will start to become wise to it so you do actually have to continue to evolve but for yeah. this season, it's been a remarkable set of tactics that Silva's employed. And there was a lot of furore on Twitter recently. I don't know if you saw this. There was a Twitter tactica called EBL 2017. Yes, probably worth um, reiterating what he uh, said for those not on Twitter. But um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a bit of a strange hot take. It was almost like I almost agreed with... Where well, some, some of it's right, but some it's of it, a really but, weird thing. Yeah. Have you got it? So this guy, EBL2720, said, hot take, I've never bought into the Marcus Silver and Fulham hype. They play common sense football, but there's nothing special about it tactically. They often play long from goal kicks to battle for duels, defend in a standard 4-4-1-1 high press and attack in a standard 4-3-3. There are flaws within their 4-4-1-1 high press. They often struggle to effectively pressurise the opposition centre-backs because they don't invert the wide players to go from zonal marking to man-to-man marking in the way the elites do. Therefore, they struggle to press reliably. Their 4-3-3 on-ball shape is similarly flawed. They're okay balanced within it, just like the, the press, but they're often vulnerable to being counter-attacked as they lack a presence either side of Polina in the six. The elites invert the fullbacks or have a conservative number eight. Then when they don't go long from goal kicks to battle for duels, which they could at, they try to play out from the back with subpar technical quality. Players operate in large isolated spaces. That's another consequence of a standard 4-3-3. They lack second phase presence. They're 10th in the league, and there's no doubt that Marcus Silva and Fulham have had a phenomenal season, but my analysis is backed up by the fact that they're overachieving their expected points tally by 13, which would leave them 15th. I fear for the long term, club's long-term trajectory. It's an interesting one because there's no doubt the majority of their principles are good, but they're not the absolute top level tactically, which suggests they could do better. Maybe my standards are too high, but I see zero faults with Frank at Brentford, where I do with Silva. The thing about that is that Brentford are likely to continue to overachieve in the way that Fulham are not, and that runs the risk of the club getting relegated if results don't go their way next season. Football is a funny game. All you can do is give your team the best chance. So, some this, of this got, this got right. a lot of stick, obviously, yeah. from, from Fulham fans. We've got a lot of stick from lots of people, including some you know, people who are very, very highly respected in, in, the, world of, in, in the world of football. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not necessarily wrong per se. And I was talking to Dan Cook about this. It it just misses the point. And there's an element of this. And Dan's response to it was, Silver's great strength is that he plays to the strengths of his players. Um, and and actually, I think that, that was interesting in that he's like that for me. That's elite management. And actually, when you kind of dig a bit deeper into that. What, what, what I think he's kind of getting at is that last year, this Fulham team were a very different Fulham team to what we are now. Yeah. You know, this is not, this is not the same team 
by any stretch of the imagination. So the way that Fulham have adapted in that time, I think is is majorly, majorly impressive. And therefore, Silver needs to be given great credit for that. The 4411 has worked for various reasons in the press. One is because Pereira is an incredible presser. Uh, and the way that he he kind of leads the press is, is very, very impressive. And the other reason, you know, he talked about Polina being isolated as a six. He's right. But Polina is good enough to be isolated as a six because he makes so many important challenges. It's also part of the reason that Polina picks up so many yellow cards because Polina is smart enough to realize that if Harrison Reed has gone bombing onwards, and he does often these days, that Polina has to take a player out sometimes to yeah. stop a counter or stop that transitions that we were just talking about. So when you, when you look at all of those things together, this Fulham side, he, he's right in his kind of bare fact analysis of where it is. But it kind of misses the point that Fulham play long balls to a striker far less, actually, than, than people imagine. Um, but when your striker is Alexander Mitrovic, of course you're going to try and get wide players up. We're not going to invert our fullbacks when both of them, or at least, you know, both of them are, are, are very traditional fullbacks who like to get into the opposition third. On the right-hand side, we have a wonderful crosser of the ball. And on the left-hand side, we have a player willing to break beyond opposition lines and try and get fullbacks into the box. And with Mitrovic in the middle, all of that makes sense. If this was a team trying to play this way with, I don't know, Kevin Phillips playing centre-forward, then of course you'd question it. But it's not. And learning how to play to the strengths is something that Marco Silva has done brilliantly, um, I think, this season. And, and that's what I thought was really interesting and, and kind of missed the point in that not every team has to play the same. Not every team has to, you know, as soon as Pep inverts a fullback and then Klopp's now invert a fullback, everyone's like, oh, why don't we invert a fullback? No, 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 no. And I actually think that the conservative eight that he mentioned there is Sasha Lukic. I that's what he's been brought in for next season in case there is a slide in form. And that Fulham need to have a more cohesive defensive presence in there together with Bolinha or whoever is there as Fulham's number six next season. I think that's the reason that someone like Lukic has been brought in. So I think that there's lots to kind of dissect from that. And I think maybe the vitriol around it, I can completely understand, but it is maybe a little bit over the top. I just think he's phrased it just really poorly and missed the nuances of Fulham's switch from being a completely dominant side last year to a side that has to adapt within games this season. Well, that's my thing is I, I think that this set of tweets doesn't account for the fact that Fulham will also evolve next year. Silver's done something this season to get us through season one. You'd imagine next season, given our position that we've finished in the table, we're going to be a better squad come August. And Marcus Silver will be able to adapt again. He has constantly evolved through the season. And at one point we're like, okay, we're completely reliant on set pieces for goals. The set piece goals dried up. We managed to find goals in other ways. Last year, we scored lots of goals by going to the byline. Now we don't go to the byline very often. Marcus Silva knows that he has to switch it up. And that if you just have one tactic, it might work for a few games, but eventually teams read into it. And then that tactic more often than not gets shut down. And I imagine that Marcus Silva will continue to adapt but also i think what that thread kind of gets right is that yeah fulham have in some ways overachieved a bit this year we maybe have got the rub of the green or good fixtures at good times or just played a bit above ourselves 
several uh, on several occasions we probably could have be five six points fewer than we are right now and that probably is a bit more fulham's level and i think that is also an indication to fulham that like don't sit on this don't think that what you've done this season is so great and it's going to happen again next year because that's 100 percent where you start to fall it's look on this try and build on something for next summer but i have absolutely no doubt that marco silver isn't sitting there going like oh this has all been great should we just uh should we just roll this again um next season this will all be the same he knows he don't need to tell marco silver that you stand still in the premier league you tend to go down that's exactly what happens so yeah i i think that generally the signs are good but let let's not get ahead of our station next year is going to be another tough year and there's going to be um lots of changes needed but I have full faith in Marco as long as he stays. Um, get that contract signed ASAP, please, Marco. Um, that, that Fulham will continue to do so. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's one last point on that, and I, I agree with most of what you're saying there. Um, but Tristan Potricic at Serbian Tennis seventy seven on here. I, I saw this response to it, and I thought it was a really good point. And it was like, you know, the the thing that this kind of this misses out or fails to take into account is that there were five or six penalties slash goals either given against us West Ham for example the you know the harsh penalties City the issues at United etc etc right yeah none of that's taken into account and and actually that's a that's a slightly another point again it doesn't mean that that's going to change next season but actually I think that Fulham have had the rub of the green in some games but generally across the course of the season I would say that we're probably net down I mean that you know that might be coming from Fulham bias goggles. I do appreciate that, but generally, I, I think we've had stuff go against us from that kind of perspective more well, than it's gone for us. Certainly, injuries and suspensions. We've had injuries to big players at big moments of the season. We've lost Polinia for games. We lost Mitro for eight games. Like it's not been plain sailing. This has not been a season where you like, oh yeah, Fulham have had their strongest eleven out every single game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, particularly yeah. At the start of the season as well. And actually, I think we racked up most of our points. You know, we had Kenny Tete out for quite a long time. We had Anthony Robinson out for quite a long time as well. So it's not been... We yeah, had Shazad and the Mbabu period. Yeah, Shazad and the Mbabu days. Um, we lost all of our wingers on the first weekend of the season. So it's not like that we've had a completely scot-free year where we just had full selections to choose from and stuff. And and, and yeah, I think Tristan's right. We've had a, a, a few games where really we've been denied points from decisions. And I, I'd say minimal amount of games where Fulham have gained points. The only one I can still sometimes think where I feel like Fulham got a bit lucky was that maybe Bournemouth at home. So that was a soft penalty that we got that day. I still think Fulham might have equalised if we not got that though. Leap so cut perhaps, but like, again, that doesn't really affect the, the point we're making. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we'll look ahead to Saturday's visit to Southampton. If you'd like to watch football matches and TV shows which aren't available in your region, or maybe you'd like to save money by purchasing flights from different virtual locations, then we've got an amazing deal with NordVPN where you can get a massively discounted rate plus four free months by heading to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Now, I've been using NordVPN for well over a year now. It comes in very handy very often. Uh, particularly when watching sporting matches using my UK subscriptions when I'm abroad, or you can use it the other way around if you're in the UK and you want to use subscriptions from other countries. A subscription to NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, and you can use one account on up to six devices. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash and you can get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months all for free. 
Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So to grab that deal, go to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy here, back with Jack. Just before we get into the Southampton preview, um, I promised a few people that I'd mention this on the podcast. It is the away day cycle on Saturday and Friday, uh, all the way from Craven Cottage to Southampton. I know there's uh, lots of you who listen who are doing it. If that is you, uh, best of luck. Uh, that is uh, an arduous journey uh, all the way from uh, London to the South Coast. And uh, people got in touch asking uh, if we could um, mention uh, the fundraising page and try and get a few more donations. Um, they're all effectively fundraising for the same thing, which is the Fulham SC Foundation. So I'm just going to put a link to the fundraising page. I don't know how it gets sliced and diced between everyone that's doing it, but the money eventually will get to the Fulham FC Foundation. And that's the most important thing. So if you have a few spare pounds, uh, I know that they'd really, really appreciate the support, give them a bit of extra motivation uh, as they do the long cycle uh, down. So uh, good luck to everyone uh, who is taking part. Uh, I wussed out of it. I must admit I was, I was considering it and uh, now I'm just going to be driving because I can't take the train. In, in, all, in hindsight, it's uh, a very smart decision from everyone, given the lack of transport options uh, down to Southampton. But yeah, seriously, best of luck. And uh, please do donate to them if you can. The link is in the description. Um, Jack, a weird situation on Saturday. Can't remember the last time this happened for Fulham, but obviously Southampton in real danger of getting relegated on Saturday. They will be going down. It's just a matter of time, but it could happen on Saturday. Uh, they have to win uh, to still have a mathematical chance of staying up. If it's a draw or a Fulham win on Saturday, uh, then Southampton's relegation will be confirmed this weekend. And that's not a nice situation for Southampton to be in. Uh, we've been there ourselves, but I, there's not going to be any sentimentality for Fulham. We are chasing our own points record. And the really bad news for Southampton is that our Lord and Saviour, Shane Duck, no, I mean, Alexander Mitrovich is going to be back. <laughs> Duffy up top, my Lord. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I, it's not. It's one of those really horrible games. I think Southampton fans have kind of consign themselves to oh, their fate. Oh, they're fully resigned. Now. I listened to a Saints podcast, not this was before the Forest game and they're just like, yeah, we're, we're down. This, is, this isn't happening. It's never nice to relegate someone unless it's like your rivals. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's some people that get a real kick out of this. I don't. It's who would like, I enjoy relegating? Obvious, I, mean, I would the have obvious enjoyed ones. relegating Reading. That would have been good. Yeah. I would have enjoyed that. Um. It would have been nice to relegate Derby that day. And there was a chance that could have happened last season as well. And then we yeah. decided to let them win, which was really annoying. Obviously the obvious ones like Brentford, Chelsea, QPR would be fun. But of yeah, course. no, I, I don't get, I don't get a kick out of relegating Southampton. <laughs> it's too inoffensive to relegate. And I'm sure that people would be saying the same with us. Like, I remember Watford relegating us and being at Vicarage Road. And they were just mm. like, sorry about that, lads. <laughs> we were like, yeah, no worries, man. Like, it's not your fault. <laughs> I remember being in the pub afterwards and they were like, yeah, you know, it's not nice to, it's not nice to relegate you. I like, must admit. It's our own fault, mate. It's not yeah. your fault. Like, I, I must admit the season, that season when we did go down, um, you and I went to that Southampton game where we lost 2-0. It was toxic that Was night. that the day we got relegated? It wasn't the day we got relegated, but it was the day we might as well have been. Yeah. I remember the, it was the was day Felix where out. like. Sorry? It was the, it was the last game that we had Ranieri in for. Yes. Yes. And that was the day where you were just like, if there was any chance, it was gone after that game. Um, yeah. So yeah, don't get a kick out of it. 
and you look at this Southampton team and I almost admire what they tried to do. They just went in so hard of trying to recruit young and and build up a team. I almost admire it in some way, but you just, you went way too far, lads. Yeah, it, it's that kind of sense of naivety about it. I think mo- as a model, fine, but you do need some experience in there and, and it's come back to bite them. There's some really good players in this side. Southampton are one of those weird teams, a bit like Leicester, actually, that if they were to go down, you'd be looking at it and going, have eight or nine of them. Like mm. you'd be, you'd be looking. We we were talking about this on on a group recently uh, on on the Fulham fans island group, and uh, we were talking about. I was like, I take Carl Walker Peters, I take Salasu, I take Bella Kotchap, I take Lavia, I take Sulemana, I take Aribo, I take Alcaraz. Like I take a Dozy, take a Dozy. Although I still think he's very raw, and I don't think he'd get minutes. I think he needs a season in the championship. Yeah. Um, but like you're looking at that and thinking, you know, that's the that's the squad, and that's not even including James Ward Prowse, who, who I fully wouldn't take for what it's worth. Um, How come? Because I'm I'm also a little bit in this camp where dead ball merchant. Yeah, I mean, like the free kicks are amazing. That, that's actually incredibly unfair. He, he's actually a very good footballer. I just don't I, I don't see that one. It would be worth what we'd have to pay him in wages. I think we could do better in terms of picking someone else out. Um, and and two, I, I just. I feel like it's going to be kind of a bidding war for James Ward Prowse. Fulham just don't need to get involved in whatsoever. Yeah, like my fine, perfectly fine footballer. Um, good would would start for Fulham if he played for us. But mm. yeah, I, I don't think it's a major upgrade on 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 anything else. So I would I would leave that one. The rest of them, I'm like, yeah, bring them in, bring them all in. I'd rather have Lavia. I think Lavia is exceptional, but I think he's going to go to Man United. So here we are. Um, so so kind of you look at all of uh, all of those players and you think, well, how are you in this position? But it, it's been a, a, a horrible, rocky ride. I quite like Ruben Sayers, the, the manager at the moment, although he's had a, a tough gig. That Nathan Jones experiment was was maybe the worst decision in football history. Um, <laughs> I, not not I the entertainment value. Best thing that's ever oh, been done. I mean, honestly, Do it again. Please, give someone else give him a job so I can see more of his press Please tell me there were some Netflix cameras at Southampton this season because it would be the most watched show of all time if it had have happened. I'm sure it didn't. Honestly, it's like a plant saying by like a film company. It's great. Um, oh. But yeah, I, I, that that's what's sent them down, sadly. And, you know, Sayers has tried his best. He's won some performance. I think they've won half their points this season from Leicester and Chelsea. Or weird, or weird year. Um, so, so yeah, there's that. There, there are good players in this side. They are not playing well. Um, it is just that. And when you kind of look at that and you wonder what what becomes of the next season, if these players are going to get pinched, it's probably quite worrying times for, for Saints fans. I imagine. Um, all we can do is go and, and do a job. I think it, it, you don't you don't pick any joy in it. You know, Harrison Reed going back to Southampton. I hope he runs the show. Just as a kind of remember me, guys, you should have kept me. Um, Definitely. But, you know, kind of you look at it and you look at the way that it, it works. I, I think that we, Fulham should be able to dispatch this Southampton side. But, it, you know, desperation does funny things to people. They should have been dead and buried at Forest. And they weren't. And it was just long balls into big Paul Onuachu in the box. And they got a penalty out of it. And then nearly got a knockdown. And it was like, oh, God, you know, mm. are, are Fulham going to be able to cope with that kind of, long ball football because actually that's kind of what Leicester did and it undid most of our game plan but the defence looks all over the place you know there's no cohesion within it they can't decide on a back four 
I, I just think that there's a lot to, that Fulham could exploit here. And, and if, if we don't, it's very much us not turning up on the day. Yeah. I mean, I look at this Southampton run of games that they've had. <laughs> the last five games where they haven't lost are a 3-3 draw at the Emirates against Arsenal, a 3-3 draw against Spurs at home that was hugely credible, a 0-0 draw away at Old Trafford. Um, they beat Leicester at home and then they got their win at Chelsea, which to be fair is one of the easier games um, this season. I mean... Some of the games as well, they've given teams a game. Like they went 1-0 up at Newcastle. You mentioned the Forest yeah. game. They 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 rode them close. Uh, I watched the Southampton-Bournemouth game where they lost 1-0. I mean, that was the time where I was like, if there's any chance, it was gone. They were woeful. It was it was embarrassing how bad they were that day. They scored, got an equaliser denied by VAR. It would have been the most undeserved equaliser ever. They didn't look like they had a clue. So I guess that's the key for Fulham as well, particularly at St. Mary's. If you can go there and frustrate the crowd, they will get frustrated easily. Fulham probably just need to contain Southampton in the first 15 minutes, just kill any resistance that might be there bubbling away because they might they might start fast. If Fulham can contain that, I, I, I see Fulham winning. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, and you know, we said something about Liverpool, right? Obviously in different circumstances. But mm. you can kind of see off the first wave of the kind of, the, there will be a sense, I think, of let's keep this interesting and it'll be a rule. But if Fulham score first, I think the, the morale will just suck out of that stadium. I, I think it's mostly kind of we're playing for pride now anyway. Yeah. But I think that there will just become a point where it's like, well, this is done. If Fulham play in an attacking sense like we did at the weekend, We'll be absolutely fine against this yeah. song. Uh, if we don't, then we won't. Like you still have to go and beat these teams. And I know I'm I'm not doing the whole, you know, prying gun football cliches, there are no easy games in the Premier League. But like there are this is a team that are not going to be want to be relegated at home in front of their own fans by a team that came up from the championship last season. Yeah. It's not necessarily in terms of that we've not done brilliantly or not done, you know, and they, not that there's any respect there, just in terms of the optics and what that looks like. Those players won't want to look at that and go, yeah, this is that, that's how we ended our campaign. So, you know, you, you look at the Southampton games left and you're thinking, right, at some point they're going to be relegated, right? Yeah. And, and it might it's well done. be this weekend. It, it's finished, you know, but losing away to, I don't know, like losing away to Brighton feels like far less of a, oh God, it's being rubbed in our face than losing at home to Fulham. I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm overthinking it, but that, that's where I'm at with it. Um, from a Fulham perspective, it is the return. Eight games have passed. Mitro is back. He will start, obviously. Harsh on Vinicius, who has done well in the last past few games, but I think everyone knows what's, what's going to happen. Um, I, I don't know. In my head, I'm expecting a Mitro brace. But also, I think we possibly have to remember that he's not played football in a seriously long time and he might be a bit rusty. Yeah, it's a question, isn't it? Does, I mean, it's not a question in terms of does he start? Like, obviously, the answer is he will start. But the question is, is he going to be match fit? I mean, look, he, he looks like he's been training, you know, hard and, and enjoying himself. Um, and also, you know, I, I think there is the, the double element of he did 
did look like he was still recovering from from an injury. You know, the last two games, you know, weirdly, the Man United game was the first time he looked like he was moving freely again. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, he's back. And then suddenly we've lost him for a while. But that recovery period might be good as well, you know, just in terms of getting him back to fighting fitness. He'll want to, you know, kick on. He's got 11 goals at the moment. You know, yeah. his, his record in the Premier League is 12. He's going to want to beat that. You know, this has been a good season for everybody involved with the club. If he can get over that line, uh, I, I see no reason why he can't in these next three games. So, yeah, the, 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 uh, he comes back in, I think. Uh, that's kind of unquestionable. Um, whether he plays a full game or not, I, I'd be doubtful. I reckon he gets 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then big Carlos gets his go again, which would be nice because obviously he's, he's played well in the last couple of games as well. So, to kind of generally, when you... With the Mitrovic issue, he definitely gets that service. I think what we've got to quickly adapt back to that actually in the last few games I've been praising Fulham for is that we've learned to put the ball into Vinicius's feet mm. and not quite play as many long balls into into chest and head. Right, get back at that. <laughs> like, <laughs> just as we got good at that, you got to come out of it again. So, so yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be so exciting. He will be desperate to to score, uh, particularly imagine uh, when whichever way we face, whichever time we face the away end, I imagine he'll be desperate to score in front of that away end. I know uh, lots of people are planning on bringing uh, some Serbia flags to to wave around uh, in kind of solidarity with uh, with Mitro. It's just going to be fantastic. Other than that, Jack, do you anticipate any changes? I would have just thought it's a straight Vinicius out, Mitrovic in, keep it exactly the same. Yeah, I, I would agree. I do. I do. Are you going to vouch for Sasalukic? Yeah. No, I'm not. You've been outed now on recent yeah, pods yeah, yeah, that every 100%. pod you want Sasalukic in. Yeah, I did. I thought it was important to get him in, but he, <laughs> alas, it doesn't look like I'm going to get what I want. So I'm, I'm going to say not for that. Um, but I did wonder if he'll, I do wonder if he'll switch um, Cedric back in. He's, that's the rotation position he's kind of had recently. It's been, it's been Cedric coming in for Tete just to make sure that he doesn't burn out, I suppose, towards the end of the season. I think there's been enough time between Monday and Saturday that it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. But, um, but it's just one to keep an eye on because he has done that a couple of times now. Yeah, 100%. Well, look, it's going to be uh, a real fun one on Saturday. Uh, if you're heading down there, good luck getting there. And um, so excited. The weather's looking good. Fingers crossed we can get our win. And it doesn't matter about Southampton. It's all about Fulham. We've still got records to chase and stuff. There's no time for sentimentality. Right, we'll take a break there. Afterwards, uh, you'll hear our live rendition of This Will Catch On from the Half Moon Putney. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, and it is Sammy in front of a live audience at the Half Moon Putney. Hello. We are back. We got everyone back in a room two days later just to record a little bit of extra segment of the podcast. It was very nice for everyone to come back. Um, Very, very lovely of you. Logistical nightmare. Uh, And this is This Will Catch On. So this is the part of the show where people submit songs uh, for the uh, for the baying public to rate or slate as to whether they have any chance of being sung by the Hammersmith End. Disclaimer, they never get sung by the Hammersmith End. <laughs> and I'm joined on This Will Catch On by George Cooper. Hello. Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, This Will Catch On regular Jack Collins. Hello, Jack Collins. listeners. <laughs> and our special guest, Reese Parkinson. Woo! Hey. 
Okay, so we've got some new this will catch ons, and then we might do a classic at the end. Okay, I wonder what it'll be. Okay, so I'm going to play out the songs, and you guys on stage uh, say whether you like them or not. You can give them a rating out of ten. Uh, you can rate them A to E, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see how good they are. So this first one is from Chalky. He says, hi, all at Fulhamish. Great work. The podcast is one of the highlights of my week. Thanks very much for all the hard work. Here is a suggestion for the Swiss Army knife, which is Bobby Decker Dover Reed. Um, the tune is Yellow Submarine by the Beatles. Yeah. So I feel like... Dom's going to hate this. He's from Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's see what this uh, sounds like. At the back, either side, in attack, left or right, he's over here, he's over there, Bobby Reed is everywhere, we all love Bobby Deckard over Reed, Deckard over Reed, Deckard over Reed, we all love Bobby Deckard over Reed. He cooks the pies, he pours the tea, he drives the coach, he'll referee. He's over here, he's over there. Bobby Reed is everywhere. We all love that's some chalky. Wow. Even, even not in the Hammersmith end, you somehow managed to speed that up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear the national anthem? I was walking in. I was like, well, it's different ends of the national anthem coming through the speakers in the Hammersmith end. It's incredible how we managed to do this every time. Um, George, what do you think of uh, Chalky's effort? Oh, I thought that was very good. Very good. I particularly enjoyed the verse, uh, he drives the bus, he referees. Yeah. <laughs> That was the highlight for me. I thought that there was going to be an issue. I thought the syllable police might have to come out, but it, it worked. It really yeah. fit, yeah. Um, Reese, would you spin that on one extra? Um, <laughs> if you were still there. <laughs> Inside. <laughs> I, I wish, as soon as I heard... Get the air horn out. <laughs> as soon as I heard Chalky was going with uh, Deco Dover Reed, I went... He's surely not going reggae here, is he? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not doing dance or bashment here, are we? Um, I would. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might not have another show, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Chalky. On to the next. Dave Wilson. Sammy, please check out my Todd Bowley song for This Will oh, no. Catch On. <laughs> There is no back or backing track or production, but I think it could legitimately catch on. I know Jack doesn't like anyone changing the Alley 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 chart, but I think he might make an exception for this. So uh, let's hear Dave's effort. If it's Bowley, Todd Bowley, came Bowley. to Chelsea to fuck up Stamford Bridge. He spent 600 million on a bunch of fucking shit. <laughs> We're the only team in Fulham. We beat you at our ground. 
you wasted all your money and next year you're going down bole 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 sure it's actually we're gonna actually sing we don't, don't sing our current chairman's name so no. i'm not 100% <laughs> sure we're gonna sing chelsea a full one yeah really yeah yeah but <laughs> i mean there's some nice lyrics in there it, it's a nice little dig at all i just like the idea of an entire round singing we beat you at our ground i'm not <laughs> really sure like it's, it's got the like snappiness that we really need right now <laughs> George, um, you are our musician here. What, what do you think of it musically? Uh, ooh, it's like, yeah. you, can, you can tell when the lyrics don't quite fit when they just add a random swear word in there to sort of like crow them. <laughs> Fucking load of shit. Um, but that was enjoyable. I had a good time. Yeah, I had a good time, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's not catching on. Reese, No, same as I think. It didn't didn't have the Deco Dover Reed oomph. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> We all enjoyed it though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next one from Jeff in Melbourne. Howdy. Right. He says, Hey, Fulmish Pod, Jeff from Melbourne again. I can't claim full credit for this, but I actually think this could catch on. And I think it's perfect for a live pub audience. Yeah. We shall see. Uh, sorry about the singing and production standards. It's nowhere near the recent production standards. Uh, it's the tune of Sweet Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> it, and, 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 and it's kind of for the team and kind of for Shade Khan. So. Uh, Nice. Yeah, we'll so we are singing for our chairman. Yes. Right, this is a turn up for the books. Hands. Ooh. Ooh. Clapping hands. <laughs> Shouting out. This is Bob Dylan. <laughs> Chanting loud. Chanting just for you. Shahika. <laughs> Good times never felt so good. So good, so good, so good. We're doing fine. <laughs> Staying up this time for good, for good. <laughs> Is Bob? I, I mean, the, um, Kelly, Kelly, man. how did that pass quality control? <laughs> <laughs> there is no quality to control. It all, it, it all makes. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, musically not the best, Jack. I mean, uh, but as a concept, can you can you see potential? I'd love to say yes. <laughs> that would be, we're all lying. <laughs> he's in Melbourne, so he's not going to be here. No, no, I got that far. Um, yeah, man, let's 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 move on. He's, he's, <laughs> I, I think it's a good basis for a potential card song. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does pay some of my wage, so. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, we've got a conflict of uh, interest here. Yes, we got you, Mr. Card. I he deserves a song. He does deserve a song, but not he that. Yeah, that's what. That's what. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it sounded like Bob Dylan. It was. Yeah, he can. Yeah, as in a carriage with Richard Osman. And, uh, well, and George, just... apt that you mentioned Bob Dylan because the next this will catch on is from Full Ernstum. He says, "Dear Sammy, after finally recovering from the grief of not having my Metro Rasputin song nominated in the end of year <laughs> charts last season, I've decided to have another go." 
This one is from the for the Fulhamish Live compilation. It's mm. in the melody of uh, the 1966 remake of Bob Dylan's It's All No Over Now, Baby Blue. <laughs> Bobby Deckled Over Reed, We Love You. Love the pod, and that's from Fulhamston. So, some Bob Dylan, just for you, George. <laughs> the score against us but forgiven it's in the past <laughs> now you found your true home with us by the river at long last your name isn't easy to pronounce and it's long So you forgive us for taking three seasons to sing you this song. You always give it all your fuller through and through. Bobby Dickadovery, we love you. I actually think that's quite good. I like it. Why do you choose that? Imagine like, okay, I'm going to do a charm. What song do I... So I pick a sort of... Obscure Bob Dylan album. Bob track. Dylan B-sides. <laughs> uh, that, that, that would get echoing around the terraces. <laughs> <laughs> Reese, I'm going to send that to him. Yeah? Yeah. Shall we... When's the next the next week's episode? It's on Thursday. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna, I can send you a little MP3. Send us, you can DM him. And I'll send that to him. Yeah. And then we can get a review. Okay. And he can pick between the two records, which the yeah. Bobby. Yeah. yeah. There we yeah. go. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. cool. We're gonna DM Bobby and see yeah. which one he hates the most. That's um, <laughs> are you well past the acceptance stage on Instagram with Bobby? Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. You ain't gonna end up in the request folder in six months' time. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, you like that tune? Yeah. <laughs> um, Jack. Oh, I thought it was exceptional. I really enjoyed it. And I'm really glad that I did because I was very close to being like, Putney Bridge is not far away <laughs> after the two before. Um, so, so I really enjoyed myself, but I am with George in the picking obscure Bob Dylan album tracks. I don't think is the best way to get the Hammersmith involved. They can't even sing the national anthem in time. <laughs> Have we had any song ever make it? Well, um, it depends what you mean by make it, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Harry Wilson, Mitch Rich and Neeskins um, did start on this with Catch On. And uh, one more that I don't want to give away later that's kind of half caught on. We've had a few ripplings of success. Uh, the final one, and I, I think she's in the audience, Marisa. Hey! Right, uh, Marisa sent this a little while ago. I'm glad we've saved it for, uh, for a big occasion. Uh, Marisa said, Hi Fulhamish, given Jack's disappointment at my lack of multi-tracking, I thought I'd cha channel my inner Bob Marley. Oh, I thought you were um, say Bob Dylan. I was like, oh my Lord. <laughs> uh, this is one about our FA Cup fiasco. <laughs> it looks at it positively. Uh, to the tune of Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Beautiful, isn't it? Don't worry. I 
show we thought we'd we'd end with uh, with a classic just to uh, to end on a positive note uh, I'm not sure if you were aware of this uh, Reese um, but this one is for a certain mr. Tom Kearney yeah. your man crush the best record ever yeah. best it's a person in here by chance John it's John I don't think John is here tonight is John here no I don't think I don't no. think John is here he's about seven foot tall so if he was we'd notice right. him um, <laughs> Uh, we've got a projector. Um, if you're able to... Uh, next slide, please. Next slide. Wow. If you're able to follow the lyrics. Here we go. <laughs> Are we doing the full four, four, five minutes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're on the harmonies. I would fetch a chicken ball to see pie for you. Fight with Billy Badger if you ask me to. I'd do anything for you, your wish is my command. I would move a mountain for the Nottingham sedan. Words cannot express how much you mean to me. There we go. There must be some other way to make you see. Only cost three million pounds completely underpriced. We never won at Wembley, so you went and did it twice. Oh, you to me are everything. The sweetest song that I can sing. Tom Kenny, Tom Kenny. You were there when we were shy, but now we're fucking dynamite. Tom Kenny, Tom Kenny. When we need to slow things down, then Marco brings you on. That day you lift the FA Cup, can't be a day too long. So now we're looking really great, let's get our passports up to date, Tom Kenny. Though you're on the bench and never seem to start. Every single, Every single game, game, we know you'll, you'll play, play, your, play part. your part. If it takes forever, Tom, then I'm prepared to wait. That day you made John Terry cry was really fucking great. Oh, you to me are everything. The sweetest song that I can sing. Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny. You were there when we were shy, but now we're fucking dynamite. Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny When we go a goal ahead and Marco brings you on He knows you've got the silky skills to keep us holding on 
So now you've got the best of me. Come on, let's win the conference league. Tom Kenny. Maybe not this season, but next season. Season after that, we'll be fine. Everything, the sweetest song, the nice and I'm about Tom to go Kenny. home. <laughs> Tom Kenny. It's like a school assembly. You were there when we were shite, but now we're fucking dynamite. Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny. I've never felt my spirits higher than when you make JT retire. Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny. You were there when we were shy, but now we're fucking dynamite. Tom Kenny, Tom Kenny. You to me are everything, the sweetest song that I can sing. Tom Kenny, Tom Kenny. You were there when we were shy, but now we're fucking dynamite. Tom Kenny, Tom Kenny. You guys have been amazing tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you to my guest, George Cooper. Thank you. Jack Collins. I reckon we can repurpose that song for Shane Duffy next time. <laughs> Ooh, now there's a suggestion. <laughs> thank you to Reese Parkinson. Hi, <laughs> Sammy James. Thank you so much for coming along. We'll see you very soon. Hello, Sammy and Jack here. Hope you enjoyed the live rendition of This Will Catch On from the Half Moon Putney. Thank you so much to everyone that came, by the way, um, on Monday. Um, it is an honour to have people turning up to a live event. It blows my mind that you do and that you enjoy it, um, but it's it's amazing. We're looking to do um, more next year, maybe do one in August is, is our plan at the moment. It's quite hard to organise because Sky loves to move the fixtures whenever we plan um, a, a live event, but uh, we love the Half Moon. They're brilliant there. It's such an awesome venue. Thank you to them uh, for, for putting us up and... Um, yeah, if you couldn't make this one, then uh, definitely try and make uh, the August one. Um, we'd love to see you there. And it's it's great uh, to see your smiling faces uh, enjoying the podcast and uh, the live this will catch on has hit different. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much. All right. We just need to name the pod before we go, Jack. Uh, the juices were flowing in the uh, in the telegram um, with for obvious reasons. It's it's a big game on Saturday. Everyone's dead excited to see Mitro back. So, uh what would you like to go for as the pod name from, from these suggestions? Drew Heatley says rekindling the fire. Uh, Branny says out the cauldron. Uh, Luke Zedgy, St. Mitro Stadium. Ross Fulham's Saint returns. Uh, we've got Richard Bamber with Shane Duffy rested. I also like South Coast Serbian barbecue. He had a few of yeah. them. Um, Joe Frost, sinner to Saint is um is very good joe frost uh, as well with uh mitro's hail mary uh christian liedberg says serb slays saints that seems a little bit uh preemptive premature um and uh, jamie k look who's back uh is is very nice eminem vibes uh to, to the three word review what would you like to go for out of out of those 
And I think Joe Frost, Sinner to Saint, feels like the uh, Sinner to Saints feels like the the moment. I think is it Sinner to Saints or Sinner to Saints? Well, I think Sinister... it has to be Saints, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Sinner to Saints. Yeah, yeah, perfect. All right, we'll do that as the pod name. Well done, Joe, uh, and thank you for all your uh, brilliant suggestions uh, in the Fulhamish Telegram today. And that'll do. Thank you very much to Jack for popping on. Thank you very much, Sammy. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we will be back uh, Sunday evening, Monday morning when we get the podcast out, reacting to whatever happens down on the South Coast. And then the Thursday Club will return this time next week. Have a lovely weekend, whatever you're doing. If you're heading down to Southampton, safe journey and come on your whites. If Duffy scores, we're on the pitch. <laughs>